You are now listening to the Hot Take Podcast, brought to you by Full Time Fantasy. Here are your hosts, Stephen Taroni and Josh Daddy. Time to make it hot. Welcome in. This is the Hot Take Podcast. My name is Stephen Taroni, and we are back and better than ever. Been a couple week hiatus uh, due to some complications. My co-host Josh Daly is with me as always, and he's been working like a dog. What's going on, Josh? Yeah, super excited to be here and talking with our guest today. And uh, we, you know, don't have the exposure of you know being out in the public. We get to do this in the comfort of our own home, which is. Uh, Different from me being out at work here the past week, so it's a little more relaxing for me today. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. Words like exposure are kind of they kind of hit differently these days. Like you know what I mean? Like that's that's scary. I don't, I don't want to be exposed to anything right now. Yeah, it, yeah, it's nice to have to like we can record this and I don't have to wear a mask. That's true. That's a good call. Um, yeah, we got a great show for you today, folks. Um, we are going to get into some of the free agents that we missed uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, some some news has happened since then, and then we're going to have some fun. We're going to play some this or that, uh, and I'm excited to introduce uh, our uh, guest for the day, Joe Pizapia. He is back, uh, my G from another tree. What is going on, Joey P? I'm I'm going to still wear my mask just to be safe here. I know we're all in completely different states, but I figure, you know, better to be safe than sorry. I'm going to wear my mask. Can you hear me through the mask? Is it okay if I wear the mask during the show? Is it okay? As long as you don't throw down your mask onto the like the ground or like your glove. Have you seen people just throwing their gloves and like, you know, you'll see like random gloves places and like in grocery no. store parking lots. It's like, what's going on guys? If, if no, that I, have, scary, I haven't seen. I haven't seen that. No, you just, you just throw out your gloves. I mean, it's not very hard. I, I feel like, I feel like if you watched or are a fan of Curb Your Enthusiasm for the last decade, then you've prepared for this. Like this whole thing, <laughs> every, every neurosis about this that's going on. I feel like if you watch that show and you're a fan of that show, then you know exactly. And you're looking for these things. Like, what? What are you doing? Throw it, pick up the glove. Just throw it in the trash. What's your problem? And, you know, <laughs> just just do it. Um, you know, I, I, I would I would think at this point in time that that's where we're at. But look, at least we're all safe right now. Hopefully, everybody out there is taking the proper precautions and doing what they're supposed to do. And then if everyone does their job, then we get a reward, which is we get our sports back at some point. Yeah, that includes picking up the gloves, though. I mean, come on, they're not cigarette butts, people. No, no, they're not. Right. Just put, just take them off and put them in the trash and walk away. How hard is that? <laughs> exactly, exactly. No, I was, uh, I was watching Ozark. Uh, I don't know. Are you guys into the Ozark on Netflix? I haven't I started waiting. it yet. Yeah, I haven't started it yet either. It is next on my list. I, I, I've heard nothing but great things about Ozark. Um, yeah. oh, literally so every person. No, I'm, I'm a complete Ozark version right now. So I've heard nothing but great things from everybody. So that is next on the list to binge. Uh, we just I just rewatched the Watchmen series again on HBO because it was so damn good. I wanted to watch it knowing what I know now at the end of it again, which is freaking even better the second time. And then oh, I just okay. had to watch the Tiger King thing just so I'm just so I can be on the Internet because I can't be on the Internet without not without <laughs> knowing what the hell this Tiger oh, King thing was. Tiger King is captivating content, man. That stuff is like 
I mean, you know, these docu-series on Netflix, like, I think it really started with Making a Murderer, where, like, every 10 minutes in the show, you're just like, no way! And yeah. that's one of them. Yeah, it's a good one. It did not disappoint the the... And I loved every time there was like a musical interlude with one of the music videos that just like that just took it to the next level because it felt like you were watching one of those Christopher Guest waiting for Guffman kind of movies where you thought this was an improv troupe. Like yeah. at some point I'm doing this story. <laughs> That's really what it felt like. Uh, but it wasn't. It's 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 there. It's crazy. It's terrific. It's everything you want it to be. I'll tell you what else is good too. And if you have nothing else to watch now, is that McMillions one on HBO, which is about the people who uh scammed the mcdonald's monopoly game oh. oh my god that is tremendous man that is six parts six hours of absolute wtf every time a show ends you're like well that how can that be and then they like oh, you gotta go on to the I'm next thing it's I'm got less that. murder than uh than tiger king and less people losing limbs and and less music videos but it's still <laughs> highly entertaining oh man the music videos and and tiger oh you know, man tiger king had the best music videos i'm telling you joe exotic can, can we get him out of jail come on <laughs> that was another one of my deep thoughts this week too because <laughs> <laughs> then i forgot about that one where i went i found out you know i just watched tiger king and i realized i'm not nearly as exotic of a joe as i thought i was <laughs> really, uh, well hey spoiler alert guys because at the end uh, you know hey we are going to talk football today uh that's actually what this show is uh if you're any new listeners that it's like, what are we just talking about Netflix shows? Uh, at the end, <laughs> we're gonna have a nice deep thought from Joey P, you know, a Joey P exclusive on the hot take. Uh, deep thoughts been a nice little series, uh, I think it's given people some laughter, uh, in this try time. So, uh, hey, we appreciate you, Joe. Well, I, I, I appreciate uh, being able to pass some time talking sports. I mean, at this point, uh, that's the best thing I think any of us could be doing for ourselves and for the masses too. And you know, people were saying, "Well, how are you doing baseball shows now?" I'm like, "Dude, dude, I got nothing but baseball content we could do for the, on the show for the next three months of stuff." So um, yeah, it's you know, being able to talk about sports is one of the things I think is keeping a lot of us sane here. So I think it's a it's a it's a blessing for all of us who are, get to talk it, and a blessing for those who get to uh, listen to podcasts like this. Yeah, amen, brother. Yeah, amen. Uh, amen. And really, uh, you know, we're people that can write, podcast, do all this stuff. I mean, we, we really, you know, have not an advantage, but we're thriving right now in this time that we can be at home like we usually are and do this and, and create. And, you know, I think that you're seeing a lot of creatives in different uh, avenues just come out in this time, which is one of the, you know, you know, surprises of this of this virus that I didn't see is that people are really coming out and like, you know, kind of tapping into what they really are when you know they don't have to go to work for eight hours a day it's pretty wild how that happens hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, but we're going to talk some football today. We're going to talk some Cam Newton. Uh, we got to figure out where Cam's going because we know the Panthers let him go. Um, but before we get into that, I want to talk about Jonathan Bales. All right, so Jonathan Bales on Twitter. Um, he was a co-creator of Fantasy Labs, uh, one of the better minds, better, younger minds in the fantasy industry. 
um, you know, obviously does a lot with betting, things like that. So one of the things that popped up was this push-up challenge. I guess this guy works out a lot. Obviously he does because he did 2,400 push-ups in 12 hours. Apparently there was over a million dollars in bets, guys, for this to see if he could or could not do it. 2,400 push-ups in 12 hours. So, of course, the question on everyone's minds, Josh Daly, what can you do in 12 hours that you think most people wouldn't be able to pull off? Well, you know, I thought I thought about this question when I saw it pop up. And first, just let me say, uh, anyone that took the under on Bales, um, why would you ever underestimate this man? Shame on you. Right. Uh, but, but second, um, you know, I thought about this. And I was going to go with, uh, you know, unfortunately, I couldn't bet on the bail things. You know, sports betting's just made uh, recently legal here. Uh, another thing that's also been recently made legal uh, has been marijuana. And I <laughs> thought about uh, how how many uh, THC gummies I could possibly ingest in a 12-hour period. Uh, but now I'm, I'm starting to, like, walk myself back off that because I know that there's dudes out there that can just eat, like, half a can of these for breakfast because they've probably been doing it a lot longer, you know, like probably some people out in like, you know, Denver or Cali or, uh, you know, Washington, something like that, where it's been oh, legal yeah. for a little bit longer. Sure. Um, you know, pr probably a little bit more of a tolerance than me, but uh, I don't know what that says to my, uh, my character, if that's kind of the first thing I thought of, but uh, <laughs> I mean, Hey, I I'm not afraid to go for it at some point. Uh, it seems like somebody I want to hang out with. That's what it seems like. <laughs> <clears throat> well, here's a qu I have a question about this whole thing. Did he see any money out of this? I don't know. I imagine he did, but uh, maybe he's donating it. I I'm really not sure. All right, if he's donating it. Awesome. First of all, if that, if yeah. that's what it was and this was sanctioned by something or someone, and he won this bet, then good for him. If this is just like shameless promotion of look how many pushups I can do, bad job by you. Like that's just like I mean, come on. Right. <laughs> like, well, yeah, he, he absolutely had he he bet quite a bit on himself, from what I understand. <laughs> well, that's so, my, my question is how is he collecting all these? Like <laughs> that's that's well, what I, I want to know. I don't know if this is a real if this is a real number, but from what I saw uh, before it all started, is by the time uh, the morning rolled around. Uh, and Adam Levitan was walking over to his house there. They, uh, they, there was over a million dollars on this is, is what I was told. So if that's accurate, I mean, good for them for getting this much publicity. Um, but yeah, there's no doubt that he profited off of this, but I feel like, uh, you know, him and, uh, the guys at labs or the action network should, uh, should probably kick draft cheat some money because draft draft cheat was kind of like the, the hype man for this whole, for this whole thing. Right. You know, and it's just crazy. Cause uh, you know, CSU Ram uh, shout out to Peter Jennings and those guys, uh, you know, they're all, they're all doing great content and stuff, but it was, I, if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure it started with like a bet between CSU Ram and Peter Je and uh, uh, you know, draft cheat. So it's, and then like he ends up, a not having to do any push-ups and you know that he bet on bales so like he ends up just running so pure like all the time it's ridiculous right now i I'm, i didn't say that we were going to dispute this or say if you could or could not do this but i think i'm just going to like throw that into the mix and i'm saying i don't know if you could do this josh like 12 hours of eating edibles i think by hour five you would puke. And I don't see any other outcome than not puking in that. So I don't know if it's possible, bro. 
I, I feel like the puke though would just be from eating too many snacks that like I normally wouldn't be eating right. as part of my regular diet. I, I don't think it would really be anything like cerebral that would make me puke. Sure. I think it would just be my stomach would basically fall victim at some point. All right. Well, Joey P, the world's wanting to know what can you do in twelve hours that other people can't. <laughs> well, if there's a million dollars on the board, I can do a lot. I can tell you right now. <laughs> like, like, if you want to put your money where your mouth is, there, I'll take a lot of challenges. But <laughs> sure. uh, uh, I don't. I'm sure I could. I I wonder if I could podcast for twelve straight hours. I mean, I, I wonder if I could do that. If I could host okay. a radio show for twelve hours and what it would sound like by the time we clicked over into hour six or seven. Because the longer I think I've done. I've done five hours straight. Um, like when we did NFBC, we did it on air for like five hours in a row and stuff like that as, as a group of people. They were interchanging people, but I was there for pretty much all of it. So I could, I could do that. Like that's, that's that five, six hours is like nothing. So it's really only like double that. And, and I think I could do it. Like I, I feel like I can, I, I, I think, uh, so if there's money to be had there, I, I could do a 12 hours worth of podcast there and then just, uh, and be good, you know, cover enough things. We do movies and music and uh, wrestling and sports. I think I'd be fine. Yeah, no, yeah. if there's one thing I know you can do, Joe, I could talk, talk all day. I'm an Italian from Brooklyn. If I can't talk all day, then all hope is lost. So, you know, Sal, Sal Leto did the 12 hour pod recently. He did 12 hours straight where he hosted and had different guests on for fantasy football. Um, now, so I would, he would be the perfect person to ask. Now, they also. Of course, in the summertime for the uh, Scott Fishbowl Podathon, they do 24 hours straight. Um, so, you know, I, I think that you would have to, I think you got to double down, man. I think you got to do like 48 hours straight. If you're going to like beat those guys, oh, you got to sleep and eventually your voice physically gives out too. <clears throat> so, yeah. you know, 12, when they do 24 hours straight, who, what do you mean? They're, they're not doing, they're not, somebody's going to sleep there. They're not uh, up for so they had three guys, right? Yeah, so somebody's going to sleep. That's that's wuss stuff. No, I'm talking yeah, like yeah, you, one person, <laughs> 12 hours, just talking, just talking. I yeah, don't even funny. interview myself for some point, I, you know. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm gonna take myself out of the running to produce and edit <laughs> that one. I'll, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let someone else produce and edit that. But hey, if you need a guest, more than happy to hop on. Just live stream it. Who cares? Right? No edits. <laughs> so my, my thing is, uh, I, I was actually gonna. My answer originally was going to be, like, well, I could do 2,500 push-ups in 12 hours uh, to one-up bales. But, uh, yeah, I could do that, by the way. Just let the record show. But <laughs> um, my answer is actually eating chicken wings. I think I could eat more chicken wings than, like, I would finish in, like, the 90th percentile of, like, eating chicken wings in 12 hours. That's I don't scary. know about the most. You know what would I help like that? That handful of gummies. That would help. Yeah, really. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, but when I eat wings, I don't get full. I don't know if this happens to you guys. Like, it's like crabs for me. I don't know if you guys have ever just sat down with some crabs. I'm from Maryland, uh, so I do it often. But I could eat crabs for days, and I feel the same way when I eat chicken wings. I'm just like wing after wing. I'm never full. When you ever get, you go to a restaurant and you get, you know, whatever it is, it's like ten bucks for a pound of wings. Whatever it is, it's never enough. So wings for me would be my thing. I like it. I know what you're talking about because I used to, when I used to like be new to sushi, I remember, oh man, like I can't, like this is expensive. I can't get full off of this. But like nowadays, if I go to crush some sushi, I mean, I'm tapping out after about 15 minutes. Right. Well, that's the rice too, you know? I mean, I'm not sure if you're eating, do you eat with like the rolls or do you eat just like straight sushi? 
Oh yeah. I mean, usually rolls. So I'm definitely getting some rice in there, but yeah, I, I know what you mean. Like being able to eat, you just, you don't feel full, but um, you know, Hey, when are, and that's changed over the course. As I get older, my metabolism is uh, slowing down a little bit. Right. Yeah, that's true. Father time rests for no man when it comes to the metabolism. Joe, uh, you know, do you think there's anything that you could eat in 12 hours? Yeah. Like Sure. <laughs> would, you, would you would you thrive in eating competitions? Uh, yeah, I would. You know, it's funny. I don't think that I would like. I I don't know. I mean, I I'm not one of these people nowadays, too. Especially like in my youth, I could definitely hold up. But now, once you cross over forty, like you just like, you just no, you probably not as much. But chocolate chip cookies would definitely be my vice. Like I could I could definitely go the cookie route for sure. Um, but yeah, it's it's funny. Like all that eating competition now stuff. <laughs> it's like most of that stuff just grosses me out. I'm just kind of like, oh no. Yeah. Even the hot dog guys, I'm like, no, nah, I can't watch that stuff. There <laughs> no, yeah, no, the hot dog. Ugh, dipping, dipping the, oh, bread God, in the water gross. is. Ugh, I can't. I can't do that. I would never be able to do just that. Um, That's so so nasty. It's kind of nasty. No one wants soggy buns. Nobody. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, so what I was told. <laughs> um, all right, let's get into some. Football talk here, guys. This is what you came for. Um, we got to start with Cam Newton because, look, I mean, you got to love the videos that he posted, you know, black and white, shirt off, working out. He's ready. Um, Cam Newton, uh, I believe he's 31 years old. Look, the fact that nobody's taking a chance on him is very peculiar, um, I, I have to say, because you got guys like Nick Foles, um, and, you know, even let's say Mitch Trubisky just sticking with the Bears that are getting chances. Um, and Cam Newton, I would say, undoubtedly is better than those two. I mean, just just that alone right there. So let's talk about Cam Newton. Let's talk about what makes sense for him. And do you guys think that he'll be a starter in 2020? Um, and let's say both for the beginning of the season, then maybe he just usurps somebody at some point. So Joe, let's start with you. What are you thinking for the outlook of Cam Newton in 2020? Well, there's not a lot of spots, and that's the thing. It's this, it's like this musical chairs thing we talked about on Black Book Pod, too, about there's just not a lot of spots where teams are in a situation where they'd be looking to add a guy like Cam Newton. And part of the reason why teams are skeptical and why he hasn't ended up somewhere already is, number one, the injuries. The Liz Frank injury is a serious one, so yep. shoulder injuries. And on top of it, it's, it's the Cam Newton show that comes along with it, man. I mean, he is... Oh, the press conferences and the nonsense and the, you know, he's, he's morose when he wins. I mean, it's just miserable. I mean, I, I, as, as a fan of any, <clears throat> if any of my teams, like, you know, if I was a, if I was, you know, I'm a Patriots fan. If, if they signed him, I'd be pissed off. Like I, I don't want him. I don't want Cam Newton on my team. <clears throat> that being said, I think there's a team that's desperate. I think there's a team where there's an opening a quarterback and a team where I think he would fit pretty well because it's already a giant cluster and it's all basically going to get lit on fire anyway. And it's yeah. Jacksonville. And I think Jacksonville is the one spot where, you know, Foles isn't there. <clears throat> I don't think they're sold on Minshew 100% yet. And I think that it makes sense there to bring in Cam Newton, see what he does on a one-year show-me deal. And you have some pieces there at Fournette and DJ Shark where all of a sudden you could actually be competitive with Cam Newton. So for me, that is pretty much the only spot in my mind that makes sense, both from a financial standpoint, from a football standpoint, that you know, that you would want Cam Newton to go and that Cam Newton would fit. Yeah, I love that call. And I like that you're thinking out of the box there because I think people are looking at Jacksonville like they're locked up there at the quarterback position. But, you know, <laughs> you have point. Um, no. 
Yeah. No way. There's no way they look at Minshew and go, yep, that's the guy we always thought was going to lead our team. Because yeah. if that was the case, they wouldn't have paid Nick Foles that god-awful amount of money to come there in the first place if, if they thought that much of him. And Minshew, look, he was fun. I like Minshew. He's got good energy. But, I mean, he's not Winston. He's not Cam Newton. And those two guys are out there. So one of them is going to end up there. And I think Cam makes a lot of sense. I, I'm into that. I'm into that for sure. Um Josh, where what makes sense to you? Uh, are you are you back in that Jacksonville uh, call? Because I really like that. You know, I think that you know. Look, we talk about all the time here. You know, the the running quarterback thrives with you know a, a great running back or a you know better than average running back, and vice versa. Um, so both of those players, Leonard Fournette and Cam Newton, would really be uh, you know exciting for for fantasy. So what are you thinking there? Yeah, first of all, I mean, Joe kind of opened it up with like the best statement like there's not that many landing spots for cam so when you kind of look at the grand scheme of things absolutely love the jacksonville call and joe I, man you should throw down some money on that because i saw even two days ago uh where you can get jacksonville as the landing spot at like plus five thousand in some places so what? I mean, send yeah, me that and, link right after the show i am i can't i can't get uh i can't bet here in michigan online yet all the sports oh, books yeah. every sports book closed three days after it opened here in michigan <laughs> so uh you know during the middle of the week's not the uh the ideal time and uh you know anyway the, as far as the landing spots for cam um you know i know that bulls um you know went to chicago so that kind of takes them out of the running but can't we just see this scenario where the Patriots go through and everyone starts second guessing bill belichick after the draft and why didn't the Patriots draft a quarterback? And the next thing you know, he's signing Cam Newton for peanuts. And the reason I think that the Patriots make a ton of sense is because Bill Belichick has been known for, you know, reclamation projects. And he's been known to just get the most out of every player. I mean, you look at the defensive side of the ball and you saw Kyle Van Noy, former Lion, who they got for a sixth round pick. And Jamie Collins, who they signed for like free agent minimum last year. And those guys go off and get like an 80 million combined in contracts. And as as we see this recur every year, it wouldn't surprise me in the least to see them sign him for just an absolutely cheap deal. And the other reason I think it makes a ton of sense is because this offense doesn't have a ton of weapons like we're used to seeing back in like Tom Brady's heyday. I mean, there is no more Gronk. Edelman is in his later stages of his career. And who knows who's going to be carrying the rock for the Patriots. I mean, Sony Michelle's still young, but I mean, the guy is like, you know, same with Todd Nerling. Like these are, these are, these arthritic knees. Who knows if they're going to hold up, but what have we seen with Cam Newton everywhere he's gone in college and in the pros? I mean, he has been the Panthers entire offense until just recently when Christian McCaffrey burst onto the scene. Right. So yeah, I can absolutely trouble with that is, that. I just don't see that they have the cap room to make that work. It would have to be peanuts. Like it would have to end up being something like that. But do you really think that Belichick would, would, you know, be able to deal with the Cam Newton attitude? I, I mean, think, that is a significant one. I think well, the Patriots a, are more likely to sign Winston than Newton. Yeah, I agree with that. I think Winston makes more sense because they look at him. I think Winston tries really hard. <laughs> you know, I like, and who knows? Yeah. Maybe it was just the vision. Maybe he fixed his eyes and maybe everything is okay. I don't know. Probably not, but. If you're going to roll the dice, I'd roll the dice with Winston, who was, you know, who I, I think just even last year, you looked at and say, you know, like he's healthy, he can throw the football. It's just a matter of his decision-making process. If you can get him into this, 
spot where you can, you know, temper down the risks he takes as opposed to like just letting the ball fly everywhere. then I think he might be in a better scenario. Well, I think yeah. Belichick would welcome that project too. Like I thought that that was going to happen with Bruce Arians. Like, okay, maybe Arians can ground him out. And Arians really isn't the guy to do that. And like hindsight is, you know, 420 here. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I just think that Arians coming in with that, you know, gunslinger, you know, style offense, just that doesn't work for James Winston. Of course it worked because, you know, for fantasy, because he's through for 5,000 yards, but Maybe Belichick is the guy that can do it. Um, you know, I, I think that the Bengals, you know, obviously they have the first pick. So, look, if they're getting rid of Andy Dalton, they draft Burrow with the first pick, and then you bring in the Cam Newton and let Burrow sit for a year. Not likely. I really see the Bengals drafting Burrow and having him be the day one starter, but I'm throwing out the Bengals as a possibility. You see Cam Newton in that offense. You have A.J. Green. You have John Ross. You have um, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon. So all of a sudden you add Cam Newton on the one-year prove-it deal. And as long as they can bolster that line just a little bit, um, you know, that could be successful. That really could be, you know, a successful situation for for Cam Newton. Um, also kind of an outlier here, the Jets, um, I, not, again, not likely. Uh, to me, the Redskins and the Dolphins kind of make the most sense. Um, you know, oh, yeah, I, I, yeah I, I think that Miami, again, is going to draft a quarterback with five. But again, you don't have to play him right away. They draft Tua, makes a lot of sense to sit him for a year. And instead of backing up Ryan Fitzpatrick, it makes a lot more sense for him to back up Cam Newton, who, you know, that, that you know, that would be, to me, that makes too much sense for the Dolphins. So it's not going to happen. They're, they're just not that franchise that does moves like that. But now the Redskins could do something like that. I'm not trying to give credit right. to the franchise at all. But again, you have Haskins there. Um, obviously not ready. He's not ready. And he was forced into a situation. He had a lot of bad games because of it. Um, there was some moments, you know, a flash in the pan, but it would really benefit him to just back up a, a veteran quarterback, you know, as, you know, erratic as Cam Newton can be, I think that he's a professional football player. You know, this guy is the quintessential football player. You know, I mean, he studies the game. He really does. Uh, he's a smart player. Um, and he's just a physical, you know, phenomenon. So uh, yeah, I think I mean, a good area for that franchise. Yeah, well, we're only, what, like three years away from him, you know, being removed as the MVP. And Right. Um, you know, it's never been a question of the talent with Cam. It's always, and that's the only thing that I didn't get to. And we, and honestly, I, we don't really don't need to expound on it at this point, but the extra right. things that come along with having Cam Newton as a member of your football team. And for that reason, you know, I, I, I just reuniting with Ron Rivera, someone who's used to him, um, you know, yeah, but you know what? Ron a had a shot at him already and, you know, pass on for Kyle Allen. He had a shot right. to get one of his quarterbacks, and he and he took Kyle Allen. He could have had Cam Newton, right? So, yeah, and you know now he's there too. And, that, and to me, and that's a great point, Joe. And to me, that kind of does rule out the Redskins. Yeah, I think so yeah, too. And that's that's why you know it it should have been, and it probably makes a lot of sense, and it probably would be a good fit too, because I do think that 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 East is way more wide open than people realize in the NFC. Right. But I don't know, like it, that they've got the cap, they've got all this. I think what Ron Rivera wants to do is basically pick his own guy. And I just think I think that, you know, you know, Kyle Allen's familiar with the systems 
So that's why you bring in Kyle Allen as a backup because you can always pivot to him. But you go and you see what you have in Haskins, and then next year you go draft a quarterback, or they want to, you know, suck bad enough to go get Trevor Lawrence next year, something like that. I think there's a there's a much I think that's what they're looking for. They're not looking for a one year fix because I think that's they're gross. They're still behind the Dallas Cowboys and the Eagles significantly, and they're probably still behind the Giants significantly to a certain amount. Although if they had Cam Newton, I think it would make them automatically relevant. I just don't think that they see this as a one year fix with Cam Newton. So they'd rather not do that, but it's, you know, he's going to end up somewhere. I don't think he's, <laughs> he's not, he's not going to play, but I think Jacksonville, he can go be whoever he wants to be. And it's right there open for business. They have the cap room. They have the space. They've made some moves and they can basically remake themselves. And, you know, try to make some noise in that division right away. So someone who I think Gardner Minshew learned the rah-rah mentality from was uh, Philip Rivers. Yeah, I feel like he invented that mentality who, you know, look, at this point, it was ugly at times last year, guys, for, for Rivers. Uh, as far as a talent, you know, arm talent quarterback, it's just not there. Um, I, I would be surprised, you know, if we ever see that, you know, that deep ball from Rivers like we did in his heyday um, at all this year. But the Colts brought him in. They paid him significantly well. And you have talent around him. I'm very interested in Marlon Mack, you know, still. Um, I'm very interested in Naheem Hines because he is the pass catching back. Um, I think that. I'm not the only one who sees that in Naheem Hines. And I think that, you know, you know, after a couple of preseason games and we, you know, I, I think that Hines value could rise a little bit um, where Marlon Mack is still the back that you want, obviously. So I think that's just one point to make with the running backs. Uh, but Jack Doyle is a guy that everyone's talked about as like, look, Eric Ebron's gone and we're going to get Eric Ebron a little bit later. So Jack Doyle could walk into a lot of targets right now. Josh, are you buying that? Are you buying Jack Doyle as just like a, a tight end to target and redraft? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would rather own Jack Doyle without Eric Ebron than Eric Ebron in Pittsburgh, for example. Um, sure. And I mean, there's just there's been historical, you know, splits that just show the difference when those two over the past couple seasons, you know, even though they were on the same team, when Ebron missed time. And Doyle would miss time. I mean, the other would just benefit exponentially. And But it was more so way in favor of Jack Doyle in those scenarios where Doyle was seeing just an absolute ton of targets. And I mean, if you look back historically, for you know, for the same reasons that you like Hines, Rivers loves to target the running backs and the tight ends. I mean, he, him and Antonio Gates, I mean, Antonio Gates is going to be arguably a first ballot Hall of Famer. And oh, yeah. That was all from Philip Rivers. And, I mean, you know, we've seen how good Hunter Henry has been when he's been able to stay on the field. So as long as Doyle can do the same thing, stay healthy, I don't see any reason why people shouldn't have him, you know, higher, uh, you know, or the stock arrow shouldn't be pointing up on Jack Doyle at, at this point. I mean, it's, it's just really hard to argue against that. Yeah, I love Rivers going over there. I mean, talk about one of the big winners this offseason is Philip Rivers going from one of the worst O-lines to one of the best O-lines in football. So just the fact that he's going to have more time to throw the football is terrific. Uh, I think everybody should move T.Y. Hilton up their boards. Uh, I think that's the one guy's kind of getting lost in the shuffle of all this because, you know, last year was not a great year for T.Y. Hilton. There were some injuries, but also they weren't an offense that was going to throw the ball. They were going to be a very, very 
efficient reserve offense. Now it's going to be very different. It's going to look a lot more like Andrew Luck throwing the football. And I think that is huge for T.Y. Hilton's. I think it puts him right back into that strong high-end number two wide receiver type uh, ground potentially. And Jack Doyle, you know, tight end one, uh, still a lower end tight end one, I think still. I mean, he's not Antonio Gates. Let's not confuse him there. From a PPR standpoint, I like him. Uh, Ebron being gone is positive because this is one of those addition by subtraction situations because the two tight ends made it money last year. Now he having the one, it's clearly a little easier, but really putting Rivers behind that kind of O-line, giving him a fresh start here, I think is exactly what they need. Plus, let's also not forget, he's very familiar with these guys. He played with Frank Reich when, when Reich was... Uh, an OC over the San Diego Chargers, and he's familiar with the OC there too. So um, there's familiarity in the language, which is a huge thing. You know, when a guy goes into a new system, that's not really a new system for him. That is some place where a guy can make a move and be successful right away. So I really like this move for Rivers, and I think you can knock everybody up a peg here. Yeah, you know, I, I definitely, you know, I wrote on the show sheet that, uh, you know, Jack Doyle rising, not so much for T.Y., um, so I think I'm, you know, going the other way with T.Y. Yeah, I, I do think he's a wide receiver, too. Uh, don't get me wrong. Yeah, he's going to finish as a top 24 wide receiver. Uh, but, you know, like, I think the big thing for me that I need to see is can Phillip Rivers get the ball down the field? And obviously we know that Hilton thrives uh, as a downfield runner, deep threat. Now, can he be a possession guy, too? Is he that receiver? Yeah, he is. Um, I, I think that he can be that guy. And you know, look, if he gets fed targets like we've seen Keenan, like we've seen Rivers pepper Keenan Allen with targets, oh man, you're looking at a potential top 12 guy in that case because I'm not, you know, undermining the talent of TY, but um, I don't know if he can really thrive in, in the deep game like he has in the past with an Andrew Luck and even a Jacoby Brissett who can get the ball down the field. Now, look, maybe I'm underestimating what Phillip Rivers can do at this point in his career. Uh, but I just don't think that he really can consistently drive the ball down the field. Um, Paris Campbell's a name to know. Um, Wait, you don't think that Rivers can drive the ball down the field anymore? Not like he used to, no, and not not consistently. Well, I see. I I I'll take this. I'll take the bet on the other side of that because I think last year was a matter of having the time to get the ball down the field. He wasn't there. If you go back and you watch film of of Philip Rivers, it wasn't a matter of arm strength anymore. What the problem with him? is he just couldn't freaking, you know, he had no time. I mean, that's why Austin Eckler caught so many damn balls is because constantly people were just in the backfield. And next thing you know, he's just tossing the ball off. So I think the arm strength's still there. I just think the opportunity wasn't there, unfortunately. But T.Y. right now is going after like the DJ Sharks and he's in that DK Metcalf universe of, of wide receivers. So DJ, T.Y. or DK, you know, one of those guys has a lot of track record and his name is T.Y. Hilton. So that if you're going to put your money somewhere, depending on your roster construction, I think Hilton's the guy to put your money on. Most definitely. He should be a great value in drafts. I don't think that people that the name, you know, is there, but it's not, you know, like an Odell Beckham. And, you know, while Odell Beckham had a down year, he still has the name. So I think at a certain point that's going to level out. Odell Beckham will still you have to pay for him. Uh, T.Y. Hilton who has finished around, you know, Odo Beckham before uh, when he had Andrew Luck, you know, so he has that kind of talent. Um, you're not going to have to pay that much for him. Um, so you're saying he's around DK Metcalf and guys like that. It's like, you know, look, you know, T.Y. Hilton's been there before. Um, another name to throw out, Mo Ali Cox, um, huge, huge tight end who obviously, you know, look, the Colts like to run two tight end sets. That's what they do. That's what they've done for years now. 
going back to Andrew Luck's rookie year. Um, and look, when Eric Ebron was down, uh, we saw Moelle Cox get a little bit more uptick, uh, jumping up to 55% snap count compared to a typical, you know, 20%, 30%. They like him to block because, like I said, he is gigantic. Um, but it looks he looks to be the second tight end right now. And I think that's just somebody to – Look, throw throw at at the end of a best ball draft because Philip Rivers does love the tight end position. He loves the big wide receiver and the big tight end. That's who he looks for, uh, especially in the red zone. And if Mo, Mo Alleycox can carve out a role, you know, we see it a lot with tight ends. They don't pan out uh, in their first few years in the league. It happens all the time. Look at Delaney Walker, guys like that. Um, so Mo Alleycock could be that guy. He just has the physical tools, and he's in a good situation, I think. Um, nobody you're going to draft in redraft, but he could be like a waiver-wire guy on a streaming situation uh, if the matchup is right. Tony, let me, let me ask you this, um, just from a dynasty perspective, because I personally feel like having Mo Alleycock as a dynasty stat is kind of like more valuable this year, in my opinion, than taking a shot on this like underwhelming tight end class. Do you kind of feel the same way? Oh, 100%. Yeah, I mean, because at least he has the years. Because when you draft a tight end in Dynasty, you have to understand that you could be waiting for a while. Uh, and if you're impatient like me, you're going to drop that guy probably before he even, you know, starts to be good. Like, you know, if you kind of like Darren Waller a little bit. Like if you drafted Darren Waller and the, how his outlook looked at first with like the Ravens and you're just like, what's going on? Um, you know, maybe you're you hold on to him, but like, yes, Mo Ali Cox, I would take a shot. I think this is the time to get him on your dynasty roster uh, and just see how this year goes. Um, you know, if they bring back rivers for a second year, you know, I think it's just a good sign that you have rivers, the known tight end, you know, uh, targeter. And then you come into this offense that loves to use the tight end. So I think it's a good situation. Yeah. Felipe Rios, the targeter of the tight end for sure. Um, one, <laughs> one quick thing I just wanted to say, um, regarding T.Y. is I, I feel like the reason that people could be more optimistic is I think the uh, the upside is going to be increased. I think the upside is a little more similar to what it was in the Andrew Luck days. Um, you just see he still has to stay healthy. though. That's that's the one thing that's kind of limited him over the years. But uh, but otherwise, I'm not rank, moving him up my rankings a ton, but I think that his ceiling has definitely increased quite a bit. Yeah, it's a good call. I, I think that he... <sighs> I don't know if he would change that drastically from, let's say, Jacoby Brissett to Phillip Rivers for me in my pre-2020 rankings. I don't know if he would change that much. Um, I would have to take a look at that. But he would be, to me, in my head, he's still around wide receiver 15, wide receiver 16, something like that. Um, yeah, I just Brissett just not taking a lot of deep shots is kind of like my only uh, my right. stipulation to that. So we, we could see a little uptick in the, uh, the deep targets. Yeah, that, that's that's interesting perspective. I think both of you are leaning more on like this is good from a deep ball thing, and I'm kind of questioning it. I think once I see it, like there was a time where Eli Manning, right, where Eli Manning was on the downhill, and I was like, I'm not touching Eli Manning, and I that was I was ahead of the curve there where people were like, no, I mean I think he's a good streaming option. You draft him at the end of a redraft, and it was from an arm talent perspective alone. He was just throwing these ducks constantly. That's I saw a lot of that last year. Joe, it's a great point. He just didn't have the time. Uh, so we'll 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 see what happens with Philip Rivers. Once I see it, you know, and then he is, it's a great point. He's behind one of the best, if not the best, offensive line in the NFL. So that could be a determining factor right there. 
so let's move on. We didn't get around to Gurley to the Falcons on the last episode here, and this is huge, obviously, from fantasy. Now, what isn't huge was the output of the running back position from the Falcons last season. Of course, it started at the top with Devonta Freeman. He just couldn't get it going, and then he battled injuries at a 3.6 yards per attempt clip. They brought in Brian Hill, who's an athletic back, but it really didn't work out as well as I thought it would, to be honest. Uh, Josh, talk to me here. I think we're thinking of the Falcons as a great situation for the running back, but is it really? Well, I mean, as far as landing spots, this couldn't have been better for Todd Gurley. I mean, okay. that's a, it's a very team-friendly contract, um, so he, he can get close to kind of what he was going to make with L.A., but... Uh, you know, that base $6 million deal, I mean, that's kind of like a, a like a show me, you know. So, I mean, if he can show that he doesn't have to worry, you know, they don't have any perspective, we're going to see that his production is going to be enough in that offense as long as he can stay healthy. Because those those running backs that they had that we talked about on previous episodes, you know, Brian Hill, Kadri Allison, and Ito Smith, I mean, they are what they are. Those guys are complimentary backs and they have a slew of them. So that, you know, they could definitely divvy up the workload. Uh, they're, they're probably going to have to manage his workload similar to what we saw the Rams do last year. And Gurley did a pretty good job staying on the field. Um, you know, so I mean, as long as it, it, I feel like I'm saying that with everybody we're talking about, but it is, it is, it is true with everybody. I mean, as long as they can stay healthy, you know, they have a chance to be productive. Um, I don't know how many more years Todd Gurley has left, but as far as 2020 is concerned, I, I do think he can, you know, he can definitely have some production that we saw from similar from Devontae Freeman. As long as the Falcons can keep him on the field, I think he'll produce. Do you believe in Todd Gurley, Joey P? Uh, it's tough, man. I want to believe in Todd Gurley. I was all in last year because to me, it was all about upside. I mean, you if you're going to get a guy at the end of the first round be, or somewhere in the second or God knows, even late second, potentially in some drafts yeah. where he, the upside is the best running back in football, I think you take that chance. Now, the good news is that he did score a ton of touchdowns last year. Uh, the good news is that he did land in a very good offense. Now, it's also an offense that likes to throw the ball to running back to Hunter Freeman a ton of receptions last year. I mean, that was the one saving grace was in PPR leagues when he wasn't scoring touchdowns. He was catching a ton of balls every week, so he wasn't rushing a whole lot. The yardage totals were showing up because of the, the amount of receptions he had. So that's a positive. I'm not holding out much hope here for him to become the Todd Gurley we know again. I think that ship has sailed. If it didn't happen last year, then I don't think it's going to. But the good news is I think he is going to be flat year over year. I think you're going to see pretty much the same season you saw out of him last year. Uh, I think you're going to see a lot of touchdowns again. And I think that, you know, when all said and done, he's an RB2. He's a high-end RB2, but an RB2 nonetheless. I think you, I still want the Miles Sanders of the world probably over him. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if I'm ready to say Devin Singletary yet, but we can have that conversation as we get closer. The problem is, I mean, it's just, it's very difficult. Could, could he, you know, rebound and have another RB1 season? Of course he can. But the good news is also that it's not going to cost you RB1 draft capital to find that out i think he is steady in that rb2 category right now and i think that's probably where you want him it's probably where he belongs and when you're talking about the guys that you have to take around him you know it's it i think it's commensurate with the guys that are at, like i said miles sanders is right there uh you're probably in that second tier of wide receivers the the juju group of wide receivers it's looking for value and bounce backs would you rather have Le'Veon bell or todd Gurley? because that's the answer you're gonna have to come up with at some point this year 
Yeah, he's right there. He's 30th and uh, like usually averaging about 30th off the board in best balls. And I know once we get some rookie running backs, you know, with some landing spots, that ADP is probably going to go down a little bit. But if you're talking borderline third, fourth round, I mean, as long as that value goes down a little bit, like I anticipated to, I mean, I think it's worth a shot. But yeah, you nailed it, Joe. He's right there, you know, with Juju and those guys, uh, you know, right around pick 30 right now. Yeah, no, if he goes down from like, and, you know, according to Fantasy Football Calculator, and it's very early, and Fantasy Football Calculator, I think, you know, isn't, you know, as updated uh, right now, although they have been constantly updating. Um, I, I have noticed recently. I mean, he's at the 308 back of the third round. I think, if anything, he's going up. Once the preseason comes out, once we realize that, you know, the Falcons are obviously going with him, they didn't draft anybody, whatever the case may be, I think he's going to be closer to that, you know, mid-third, like, let's say closer to the top of the third round. And I'm taking a chance in Todd Gurley at the 308. Um, you know, you make a good point, Joe. Devontae Freeman's uh, receiving game last season was his saving grace, and he was targeted 59 times, which is kind of like a number that we've seen from Gurley in the past with those targets, you know, even more so um, last season. It and that's the thing you hard. didn't see from Gurley last year. Like, you didn't see him catch right. the football a whole lot, which is weird. Like, I don't, to me, that was the way to keep Todd Gurley healthier. So get him right. out in space and 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 let him just catch the football and go as opposed to trying to run into people at the line. Yep, and I'm I'm actually uh, let me correct myself. Seventy one targets for Devontae Freeman. He had fifty nine catches. Yeah, in limited time. Now you know Gurley on the opposite spectrum. Like to your point, fifty targets. And I was in the same boat as you, Joe. Like, okay, don't run him up the middle. Give him work in the passing game. Let him work in space. Uh, it seems like they did the opposite there. They kind of ran him into the ground. I think they knew that they were letting him go <laughs> uh, in, in that way because they gave him 223 carries, which, yeah, I would have said maybe around there. But still, you know, I, I think they probably could have limited him to closer to that 200 number. Um, it, it, it looks good for me, you know, from all things considered. Uh, going into this Atlanta Falcons offense, um, I say it's an upgrade at the running back position. Undoubtedly, it's going to make their offense click a little bit more as long as everyone is healthy. You got Calvin Ridley coming into his own a little bit. Um, so it, it really adds up there. Um, Hayden Hurst coming in. Um, so there's definitely fantasy value to be had. Todd Gurley, to me, as long as they can get him. Now, look, if they give him that 70-some targets that they gave Devontae Freeman, he's going to exceed that value that you're getting him at the draft. I'll tell you that right now. If he can get those kind of targets um, and he can play around 14 games, then he's going to definitely exceed that value. Yeah, I would say your expectation for Gurley, if, if things break right, is you want him to be somewhere over, you know, somewhere in that 1,100 mark in terms of all-purpose yards, 1,112. I think that's realistic, you know, and I think if he can repeat those at least a dozen touchdowns again or somewhere in that that neighborhood, he had 14 last year. That's terrific. Like you'll take, they'll take that in spades. That's probably even a low end RB one when all is said and done. But I think he's going to rightfully be in this mix of the Chris Carson's and Le'Veon Bell's and all these guys that have issues, whether it be the Jets offense, the questioning, you know, how Le'Veon Bell is going to get used or how he should be being used and not being used properly, or the Chris Carson's of the world who had a very good season but fumbled the ball a lot. Like it's guys with question marks. Uh, and I think you're gonna have to figure that out. And at the end of the day, it might be better to just wait and go after a guy like Melvin Gordon or Mark Ingram, maybe a couple picks later. It depends on where you are in the draft because you know the the Ravens are gonna run the football. <laughs> that ain't changing anytime soon. So you know it's it's all about what your risk 
adversity is like. And I think it depending on who your first running back is, depends on how you want to do this. And I'll tell you what, yeah, it's going to be fascinating. We just did the black book drafts for the book. So we were doing, you know, each league we do, you know, in terms of style, PPR, standard, all that stuff we do. Uh, like four rounds, Nate Hamilton and I kind of go through it team by team and break it down. And in that mock draft, uh, one of the the team at the turn took McCaffrey, and then in the top of the third round came back around and took Gurley. And what a fan, what a f- incredible thought to tell you, you know, two years ago that you could have both those guys potentially on the same roster. Oh, one hundred percent, yeah. And it's probably going to happen to a fair amount. Like that's that's a pretty fair degree of yeah, you know, you can go in that that third top of the third round if you want early he's going to be there if you want to pair him up with McCaffrey depending on the format you just have to figure out if that's a choice you want to make exactly and you know last season um for like Scott Fishbowl uh that league I I had both McCaffrey and Gurley and it really worked out um you know on weeks where Gurley was able to produce and most weeks he really was um that, that's a great great situation for fantasy football i mean how can you how can you go wrong there um and you can also pair them with a stud receiver at the same time um that, that's just a win-win for fantasy so let's talk about the rams perspective here because it looks like daryl henderson's second year guy is going to get his shot um i'm not too concerned about malcolm brown right now um the rams don't look like they're in a position to draft a top running back from this class um, so unless they do like a little switcheroo and, and sign Devonte Freeman, which could happen, um, Daryl Henderson looks like in a great situation. I mean, he's going to be 23. I don't know if they want to give him the, the, the keys to the Cadillac right now, but it's like an opposite sort of situation. I mean, you had the Todd Gurley with the, the bad knees and he's obviously wearing down and now you have this fresh, very touted running back who, you know, I thought was one of the top three or four running back coming out of last year's class, Daryl Henderson. What, what do you make of the situation, Joe? Like, do you think he's going to be the starter there? Well, I mean, here's, this is the difficulty before drafts trying to figure these things out. So right now he's at like in that right around 100 area in terms of overall value uh, in terms of RB, he's, you know, in the mid thirties, which I think is proper. You know, I, I think he's still an RB three right now. I don't, I don't think I'm ready to take him as an RB two because I don't have clarity yet. But I think we're going to have more clarity post draft. And if they don't go after a running back, I see, I think you'll see him jump up into the end of that RB2 class. Now, the good thing is Henderson's fast. The thing that holds him back is understanding where to run the football. That has been his problem. You go look at the game log, they gave him some opportunities. And, you know, he, he had opportunities in this season to kind of, I don't want to say run away with a job, but certainly create a timeshare. And he didn't do it. So, yeah, he's going to get more reps. That's a positive. We'll see if they bring in anybody else into this offense. And if they do, that's going to have a significant impact on his value in 2020. Uh, I think the long-term value in fantasy leagues of dynasty nature, I think you're looking at a guy who has a ton of upside still, uh, certainly has speed and agility, all the things you look for. It's a little bit more of the understanding of where to run, how to hit the holes properly, and kind of grasping this offense, which I don't think he's quite done yet. And it's not the simplest offense. I mean, McVay is a more of a complex offensive mind. So I think you have to take a lot of these things into account right now because I think when you're talking about him and his value, you have to decide, do I want boring Sony Michelle or do I want upside Daryl Henderson? Because I think those are the kind of names you're going to have to bandy about back and forth. 100%. I'm with you there. Um, and you know, a lot of times as a drafter, I'm definitely leaning that upside, but you know, it, it, it's high risk, you know, uh, high reward, or it just doesn't work out. 
Um, but everything you're saying, right, he needs to understand the scheme, um, and it's not one that's easy to pick up with Sean McVay. Now, kind of something that you can compare uh, almost apples to apples uh, is David Montgomery last year coming into Matt Nagy's offense that was asking a lot of everyone involved. Um, and we really saw some growing pains from Montgomery, who, you know, he got a lot of touches. Um, it could McVeigh try this experiment with Henderson and it, could it fail? Yes, 100%. It's not guaranteed that he can pick everything up and be successful. Um, so we, we, we saw that kind of with Montgomery. Um, how are you thinking about Henderson, Josh? I mean, are you a big Henderson fan in general? You know, last year I was more of a – I was on the Malcolm Brown train myself. Um, of course, both those guys were pretty much worthless. But, the, you know, going into this season, I mean, I, I'm actually – I'm going to be totally honest with you guys. I, I'm not really doing any research on the Rams until after the draft because just where they're selecting, um, more specifically, I think, in that third-round selection, I think that they could actually target a running back. I know they have some more pressing needs on defense, but I feel like they can fill those in the first couple rounds, and it would still make a sense to go out and spend some draft capital on a running back. So if they don't go out and do that, I'm definitely going to dig in and I'll have more of an opinion. But for now, I just I actually have a feeling that the Rams are going to bring in another running back, and this could be a total nightmare of a fantasy committee. You guys buy them uh, potentially signing Devontae Freeman? I think it's a distinct possibility. Yeah, I really do. (laughs) Because I I just think that it it makes a lot of sense. And I think that's why, for me, I still have him in that that RB3 conversation of let's let's wait and see. You know, it's like that Tevin Coleman, Daryl Henderson. Like these guys are just, I don't have any clarity. I'm not sure how it's all going to work out. I think Mostert's that guy now in, in that backfield. It's 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 the guys that you don't want to leave your fantasy backfield to the guys that you just want to look at as bonuses. And I think this is the problem. A lot of people make mistakes in, you know, they don't make enough of an investment early on, even in PPR leagues in running back. And then you end up having to have one of these guys hit and ultimately it becomes a failure. Yeah. And I mean, I, I feel like the Rams are probably the second, you know, most probable team behind my lions only. And I only say that because the lions were trying to trade for him in October at the deadline. So there could still be some interest there from Detroit's perspective. Um, I feel like they're probably trying to lowball or something at this point, but I feel like the Rams, it makes a ton of sense for them to offer Freeman to deal with their current running back situation. So either way, if Freeman or a new new running back comes in, I feel like they're probably going to have, you know, such a, such a difference in the device uh, or the division it carries that, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be tricky for everyone from a fantasy standpoint for sure. So it's hard for me to take a stand right now. But I think Freeman could definitely land with the, with the Rams for sure. I will own zero Devontae Freeman if he ends up in Detroit. Zero. Yeah, it, that's that's the thing is the the fantasy appeal would be much better if he was a Ram than if he was a Lion because I still believe in carry on quite a bit and I know there's a lot of people out there that still do. Uh, you know, he's just kind of got to prove it and stay healthy, but. Yeah, Devontae Freeman wouldn't uh, wouldn't get very much run at all if he did land in Detroit. All right, let's talk about Robbie Anderson real quick. Joe, is it a plus in the positive direction for fantasy now that he is in Carolina? <laughs> we just we just talked about this on the show last week too. I I think it's a positive for everybody else's value except him. I mm. I love this move for the offense, not so much for Robbie Anderson because Teddy Bridgewater doesn't historically throw a good deep ball. That's right. typically where 
he excels is in that go route kind of situation. But I think it's terrific to get a compliment deep threat that you at least have to take account for because I am the biggest DJ Moore mark there is. And he was my favorite guys. And the fact is his touchdown total wasn't huge last year. I think it's still keeping other people away and it shouldn't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, you know, you talk about what this does for DJ, what this does for McCaffrey, what this does for Bridgewater. I think it's terrific because adding that other guy that can go deep and look, there's going to be scenarios where he will hit him, but it's not his strong suit. So I don't think I want to make a ton of investments in Robbie Anderson, but I think as a ripple effect to everybody else on this offense, it's terrific. I mean, like always with Robbie, he's just a great best ball pick. You know, I mean, you get him in best ball. You don't have to worry about it. Um, you know, starting him on a week-to-week basis is going to be very frustrating. So, you know, you don't want to set yourself up for that. Um, I think he's, you know, depending on where he lands and what's on the board, he can be a nice pick for you. You just can't expect to play him every week. And that's always been the case with Robbie Anderson. Great point, Joe. Yeah, he does a lot for DJ Moore. DJ Moore wants to work underneath. And not only does he have, you know, Curtis Samuel there who, you know, speculation, they might be done with him at this point if, you know, they brought in Robbie Anderson. Uh, I think they should keep him. Um, You know, not only does he have Samuel, but he has Anderson stretching the field. Um, So that's great, great for DJ Moore. Love DJ Moore. And I love the point of you need to look at players that don't necessarily hit on touchdowns because that is always, you know, just value right there. You look at a guy who has a decent season but doesn't hit on touchdowns, you have to expect positive regression. DJ Moore is one of those guys. Yeah, good point. I mean, it's funny because Joe said, you know, Teddy B doesn't really throw a good deep ball. I mean, did we – if you won't go back and watch those 2019 games, I mean, they, they haven't had a deep ball in a while there. So it's uh, <laughs> it'll be interesting. I Believe it or not, I think Teddy ball game is, is actually a slight upgrade from the uh, Cal- oh, he, Kyle. Oh, I think he's Ducks. more than a slight. I'll, I'll go <laughs> as far as to say he's he's a significant upgrade over what they had last year. And if DJ Moore and C- CMC can be as good as they were last year with Kyle freaking Allen playing quarterback, right. then, you know, Teddy Bridgewater did a really good job with the Saints. I mean, I, I understand Michael Thomas might be the best wide receiver on the planet and all. But Teddy Teddy B did a good job with that team, and I, I think that he deserves all the credit there, and he earned a starting spot somewhere, and he got a really good one. So I'm optimistic. Is is he going to be like a guy throwing, you know, for 300 yards? No, but I think he's going to throw four more touchdowns. I think he's a smart quarterback. I think he's a likable quarterback too. And for all the – I mean, I can't imagine a more antithetical personality to Cam Newton than Teddy Bridgewater. And I think that's going to be a huge breath of fresh air for this team. And I think Matt Rule is going to be a huge breath air, you know, <laughs> huge, like just a, a guy that's going to come in there and everybody's going to say, okay, this is a different team with a different look and a different feel. And I think it's going to, I think it's going to be one of the more dangerous teams out there. Now in the draft, they got to go address the defense though, because losing Keekley was a huge loss for that defense. So I know he's been hurt a lot, but they got to figure that out. And I think they will. And I think you'll see them take the best linebacker on the board there with their first pick. I couldn't agree more. Uh, you know, t- Teddy B is a breast of fresh air for the <laughs> and a breast of, a, you know, we could all use a breast of fresh air. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you're getting at, right? I'm sorry. I don't want to put like words in your mouth. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's absolutely the words. Well, what, what don't you want to put in my mouth? <laughs> you know real quick um you guys think there's any value with you know i kind of hit it earlier like any ebron value in pittsburgh i mean it's definitely an upgrade over Vance mcdonald for sure 
He is, but only in the sense that Vance McDonald was made of glass. I mean, I, I always <laughs> feel like it's the same thing with Pittsburgh. It's, you know, that tight end will have a couple games, but it's not something every week in that offense you're going to you're gonna love, whether it's Heath Miller or Vance McDonald, whoever it is. Um, it's going to be a wide receiver, throw it down the field kind of offense. And it's going to be either Washington or Deontay Johnson stepping up into that void in that number two spot. And I, you know, with Roethlisberger back, I think they'll, they'll, you know, bounce back. But Ebron is, is not, I don't think, a, a, I think there's just better options now going into the year for tight end than there were on the board last year. And it's just a deeper position all around, which is great because it was terrible going into the year last year. And I think I'd rather have the Jared Cooks of the world than trying to fiddle around with the Eric Ebrons. What's nice is we've already seen Eric Ebron's ceiling in this situation when he was with Andrew Luck and he was splitting time with Jack Doyle, he's caught a lot of touchdowns. That's the ceiling. Can he catch like eight or nine touchdowns? Sure. Um, you know, it's just you, in fantasy football, you, you really can't bank on touchdowns all the time. So that's like what we're looking at there. Um, yeah, I think it could work out. We, we, there's a lot of questions with Roethlisberger. So I think that's the main thing. You know, we need to see it. We need to see Roethlisberger do his thing. Um, and if he can, then everybody's viable. Everybody's viable, including Ebron, who we've seen – uh, is a target in the red zone, can be that guy who catches touchdowns, can be a streaming tight end. Let's not get it confused. The tight end position is trash. Uh, Jason Witten was a top 12 tight end last year. Um, so in that, if you all things considered, yeah, sure, Eric Ebron. Um, but I think that, you know, with this position, where you just look at ceiling. It, I can kind of compare it to the quarterback. If you're drafting a, a tight end or a quarterback late, you might as well just look at the ceiling. And yeah, Ebron has that ceiling, it, it, especially if Roethlisberger can come back to 75% of what he was. Yeah, well, I think you're going to see him bounce back in a significant way. So I think that sealer offense, you know, lives and dies with Big Ben. Let's move on. This or that uh, used to be in or out. We changed the name, new co-host, new name for a segment, whatever. You know, variety is the spice of life, I always say. Uh, so this or that, with this guy or that guy, Joey P, give me Kenny Galladay or Mike Evans. Both of these guys looks like back at the second round. Is this is it is in a vacuum or is there a certain format or what do you want me to do here? Clock PPR uh, back at the second round. You have all right PPR. I'm gonna go with Galladay here actually because he is the. You know, he is the sole guy there, number one, and number two. I think Godwin falls way more into the Tom Brady that I know right now. Uh, being a Pats fan than Mike Evans does. Not that Evans won't be good, but I'll take Holiday in the volume. Uh, yeah, Josh. I'll take Kenny G as well. That's you know yeah. you know that's my guy. I'll I'll just try to give you like real quick like less than a sentence answers, but he you know that's my guy. Um, and, and you know I mean he led the league in touchdowns last year from the wide receiver position at, with eleven. Um, so it, you're you're getting the touchdowns with him. Uh, Evans obviously can be a touchdown guy, but yeah, I, I think if you're projecting Matthew Stafford for a full sixteen. Matthew Stafford had a great year in the games that he played last year. And this Detroit Lions passing game, as long as Stafford is there for 16, and if you're drafting, that's probably what you're projecting. Um, uh, yeah, I like Galladay a lot. He's not sharing the load as much, even though we know that Marvin Jones is there. Um, I really do. I would prefer Galladay at this point. I, I don't think that Tom Brady is helping – Godwin or Evans from a fantasy perspective. If it was Winston, I probably would lean Evans. If, in all honesty, uh, I think that's the difference right there for me. Minitron, baby, the sax man. 
<laughs> All right, guys, let's stick with the receiver. DJ Chark or Adam Thielen? The fantasy football calculator has DJ Chark at the 402. Adam Thielen without Stefan Diggs now at the 310. Joey P, what say you? I really like Chark. He he runs good routes, too. He's very impressive. But right now, uh, until Cam Newton's the quarterback there, uh, I'm going to go with Adam Thielen still. I'll still take my chances with Thielen there. I, you know, Thielen's a gamer, so give me him, and I'll pay a couple picks extra to get him. Yeah, same here. Uh, we were gonna we had on the show sheet that we were gonna talk about uh, Thielen was a top twelve wide receiver. In short, yeah, I absolutely still think he is, especially with Diggs gone. I mean, they still have to throw the ball at least fifty percent of the time. So sign me up for Thielen over Shark. Yeah, I'm with it. I'm with it one hundred percent. I think that Shark in uh, like in Shark, let's take put him in that situation in Minnesota, and and he's the number one like Thielen is. We'd be all over DJ Shark right now. I mean, we, it would be, but the the hype isn't there as much. I think it was a down year for Thielen, obviously because of the injury. So a little bit of a post hype here. Um, I, I think that people are not going to be as as high on Thielen as they would be if he played 16 games. It's just you know the nature of it. Um, so we have to look at Thielen as walking into a great situation. Top 12 wide receiver. Oh yeah, it's definitely in the realm of possibilities. Um, let's stick with that. Cortland Sutton or Adam Thielen? I think this is pretty easy. Joe, what say you? Um, <laughs> this is tough. I am a Cortland Sutton guy. I am a, I am a very big Cortland Sutton guy, and I love what he did last year. I just, I don't like Drew Locke, but yet it didn't matter who was playing quarterback. He was good last year, so uh, this is tough. Thielen is safer, but if I'm living dangerously, I think Cortland Sutton is that, you know, if I want upside, maybe yep. I think I'd go that route. But right now, again, I think you got to go with Thielen because you know what you've got there. But man, Cortland Sutton, I think, is that guy. And look, a lot of my receiving cores last year, if I if I let's say I played in a dozen leagues last year, I would say nine of them were some combination of Godwin, Cup and Cortland Sutton, like some two of the three of those guys were on every single one. Right. So I, I and DJ Moore. So imagine those four guys are basically because that's where the value was. It was in that tier of guys who are ready to come up and be the next thing. And right now they've already arrived. So there's not as many of them. But I think I'll just lean just a hair to Thielen right now. Yeah, I'd say Thielen like in a PPR and then Sutton if it's not. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I agree because this, the touchdown upside you have to expect is with Sutton because I mean, yeah, we've talked about on this show, some of the highlights that Sutton was able to pull off last year, just like in a vacuum without any context, you're like, man, that is a dominant wide receiver. Um, and he really turned it on and, you know, excelled, elevated in his career. He right now is going to be going at the three Oh two. So you are going to have to pay more for Sutton. So you can kind of definitely factor that in. Um, it's still around the same 310 back of the uh, third round for Thielen. I'll go Thielen. Um, it's definitely safer. Uh, Cortland Sutton is the ceiling play. So based on that logic, Joe, you got Sutton ahead of DJ, DJ Shark too, correct? Uh, oh, yeah. Sutton ahead of Shark for sure. Yeah, definitely. And it's not a knock on, on DJ. He's very talented. I think Shark's terrific. But I just, you know, I, I think Sutton is just in a better spot right now. Um, let's move on to rookies here. Debo or DK Metcalf? Josh, we'll start with you. Um, this might be a surprise, but I, I feel like Debo is the alpha receiver in that offense. I mean, I love both offenses, but Debo got a lot of carries in the second half in addition to the targets being increased. And I just feel like overall, he is going to have a bigger piece of that pie for the San Francisco offense than we're going to see DK Metcalf have in Seattle. 
Yeah, for me, this is uh this is an easy one. It's Debo. I love the Debo. I just I, it's not that I think DK is gonna be bad. And but why does everybody have to have two initials right now? Too this is like really between AJ Brown and DK Metcalf <laughs> and AJ Green and and DJ Shark. I mean, literally everybody. I mean, I feel like I need to be just JP from now on, or just I don't know. Uh, but it's I love Debo. Uh, I just think he fits what Shanahan wants to do so well. And I, I you know I don't love Jimmy Garoppolo as a quarterback, but I just think that he you could see it as the season went on. I just I overhyped Debo so much going into the year. And then he, he, you know, had a good game and he got hurt and then everybody dropped him everywhere. And I picked him up everywhere. He was dropped and you could see at the end of the year, him start to get more and more comfortable at the end of that year. So give me Debo. Uh, but I totally get why everybody DK is going to catch more touchdowns probably, but I don't know. I just, I just can't quit, quit Debo Samuel for some reason. Yeah. I mean, I think that DK was a, you know, all around uh, unanimous first round pick in most rookie drafts. Uh, going into last season, Debo wasn't really. Now, I drafted him in the back of the first round, um, and I think that was kind of ahead of the curve as far as, look, I think that he is one of the more talented receivers, uh, or he can be molded into one of the most talented receivers in the league uh, at this point in his career. And you, you said it, Joe, this offense just fits him so well. It's really tough to pick DK Metcalf here, you know, now that I look at it, I thought this would be a lot harder. Um, I, I think that DK has all of the ceiling in the world. Um, you have the athletic deep ball threat with the best, in my opinion, deep ball thrower, as far as accuracy all considered with Russell Wilson. Um, so DK Metcalf is really a, a candidate more so than Debo for more touchdowns, for sure. I think that's I think that's pretty uh, obvious there. Um, and then we saw DK work in the short game and work in different routes and really, you know, uh, shut up the naysayers that said he can't run routes, he can't, you know, do certain things that a receiver can. Um, so I think we want to give all the credit in the world to DK Metcalf, but Debo Samuel, um, I think, is a prototypical wide receiver that we're seeing that new type of wide receiver where – you know, it, it's not the six three, six four guy anymore. That's that prototypical wide receiver one. I mean, we it's the DJ Moore's of the world. You know, it, it's the it's that kind of receiver that can work with the NFL style of passing today. Uh, Debo Samuel is that, and then you have the Kyle Shanahan offense. Emmanuel Sanders is gone. You're getting great value on Debo Samuel this year, even with all the hype surrounding him. It, it, he's going to be an awesome value still in redraft. I think this is going to get harder here with the running backs, guys. Another second-year guy who I'm so excited about, I wanted to talk about him today, was Devin Singletary. He's going at the 406 currently. Um, I think that's crazy value for him right there. I don't think that's moving. Um, I think he's going to be that fourth-round pick, and I'm all for it because, like I said, I want that upside. Frank Gore is gone. I don't think they're going to bring in anybody that's going to uh, challenge for too many carries. And then we have Chris Carson, who gets a lot of carries. Um, and he gets a lot of touches, and he is you know, proven in that way. Of course, he had the fumbling issues, but in a very good offense as far as the running back is concerned. Uh, Joey P., Chris Carson or, or Devin Singletary? Uh, you know, Chris Carson certainly is, is the guy that's the safer choice, but I'm going to go Devin Singletary here. Uh, and it's uh, this was another guy who was really explosive last year when he was carrying the football. Another guy who was very high on early in the year, had shares everywhere. He got hurt. It was kind of frustrating because he had to kind of slog his way back into playing time there with Frank Gore. But Frank Gore is gone. 
And I think by the end of the year, you could see they are comfortable with Singletary. This is an organization that is is okay with turning the page on guys and, and moving forward with young talent. They proved it with Josh Allen two years ago. They proven it with Singletary, I think, last year. Adding digs into this mix year two, more weapons, it's great. I think Singletary's the guy. So uh, I'm going to go with the upside there because at the end, you know, I don't trust the fumbles and I don't trust Pete Carroll to not replace Chris Carson at some point. I like it. And then, Josh, real quick, uh, what uh, what which way do you lean here? Uh, I actually think Carson is a little risky. Uh, just the health and the fumbling issues alone are enough to scare the bejesus out of me, and I'd rather go Singletary. Not only do I think there's more upside for Singletary, I just think there's more of a workload threat for Carson as well. Penny could take that job over. Just too much uncertainty for Carson. I, th- I think Singletary is actually the safer guy, and I- I'd go with him for sure. Yeah, no, I, I like it. I like that perspective of he's the safer guy. I think that's kind of uh, against the grain there. Uh, so I appreciate that. And then, you know, what it always comes down to me, too, you got to look at the passing game. That's so huge in PPR. And look, Devin Singletary is the better pass catcher. Uh, and, you know, they proved to use him in that way uh, a lot of times last year with Josh Allen. So got to love Devin Singletary here, especially you're getting the value. Joe, thanks for coming on the show, my man. It's been a pleasure, like always. I think this is your third or fourth time on the hot take. Uh, but the very first in which you will be doing an exclusive deep thought. So <laughs> tell everybody, please, you know, what you got going on in these times, where they can find your awesome content, um, and then wrap it up with a deep thought. Well, you can follow me over on Twitter at JoePizzaPia17. Uh, my show right now is running on Sports Grid, which is Diamond Bets, which you can see on uh, Zumo and Pluto, and also watch it on uh, YouTube. We uh, It's Matt Stryker and myself talking baseball. Good times. We've got a lot of fun content actually going on right now. You'd think we don't have anything to talk about, but we do. And uh, we're definitely two idiots, too. So we have a lot of fun on that program. So you can check that out. Again, it's called Diamond Bets. And, of course, check out the Fantasy Black Book podcast. And the Football Black Book will be out june 1st no matter what we're going to be out there june 1st ready to rock this thing uh and uh, deep thought of the day is um you know i i heard that shaquille o'neal was having some issues with money and tigers and it turns out it had nothing to do with lsu (laughs) see that see what i did there because in college he made more money than the pros i'm out everybody thank you Of course, you can uh, catch the hot take uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, thanks for listening. Next week, we're going to have Bob Lung on. It's going to be a special mock draft episode. We're going to have Bob Lung on, the great Bob Lung, talk about consistency. He is Mr. Consistent. Uh, on behalf of Josh Day, my name is Stephen Droney. This is Bit, the Hot Take Podcast.